Words, words, words. So tonight we're starting a new 6 p.m. series and it's called Words That Win. And it's wonderful to see so many of you out here tonight for Words That Win. And basically the focus of the next few weeks is talking about the power of our words, what we say. And so just before I begin, let us start with prayer. Let me pray for my words. Lord, I just thank you for this night. I thank you, Lord, that you are in control. Lord, we thank you for your presence in this place, Lord, and for the wonderful worship and the words that we sang to you. But Lord, now I ask, Lord, that you would take control of my words, Lord, even as I try to explain what you have put on my heart to share. Lord, thank you, Lord, that you would guard my mouth, Lord God, and you would help me speak the right words that have impact, Lord God, that touch hearts and lives and that bring change and transformation. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So words, words are really interesting. Words are basically sounds that come from your mouth and words can be very interesting. Words can be very short, they can be sweet, they can be long, they can be very complicated. Words can be harsh, words can be very rude. Words can carry a hidden meaning, and sometimes words can change things. They can even stop things. Words are powerful. Does anyone agree with that in this place tonight? Amen. 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 And the title of this message is Words That Release You Into Your Destiny. Words that release you into your destiny, or you could say words that release you into your future life. Now, some of you here, you might feel really excited by the idea of talking about your future and your destiny, because maybe you've had words that have been spoken over you that have been really encouraging. Maybe it hasn't quite happened yet, but you're still hopeful. And then there'll be others of you here who maybe you're a bit uncertain, because you don't really have a clear sense of what your future looks like. And in fact, you don't have really much to say in the sense of having words or direction in your life. And then maybe there's some of you here who just feel a bit indifferent when you talk about destiny and future, because you think, well, it's somewhere out there, somewhere far out into the future. I don't really need to think about it. There's no point overthinking it. What will be, will be. Well, whatever category you find yourself in today, God wants us all to know. He says it really clearly in Jeremiah 29:11. He says, he has plans for you. He has plans for you. God has plans for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God has plans for me. He has plans for me. Let's get that scripture up on the screen. It says, I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That basically means that he wants you to do well. He wants to keep you safe. He wants to protect you. He wants to give you hope and a future. And that's God's promise for us all, whether you believe it or not. When I was a teenager, at the age of 19, I became a Christian. And I didn't actually grow up in the church. I didn't grow up going to church at all. But when I came to church, I began to hear um, a sound that I didn't hear before. The sound that I had normally heard was the sound of the world. So I'd got most of my beliefs, most of my perspectives, maybe from what I'd watched on TV, maybe from some of the things that my friends and family had said to me, maybe from what I studied at school or university. 
I got all my perspectives, all my beliefs from all the things that were around me. But when I became a Christian at the age of 19, I remember talking to people of God, and they had a different sound. There was a different sound coming from them. And I was a bit intrigued. I was thinking, wow, they're sounding different. And what I discovered was that it was the sound of faith. And I began to read the Bible, and then I began to learn very quickly that God is very, very big on destiny. Yeah? God is big on destiny. I would read scriptures like, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah 1, verse 4. And then I would read scriptures like Psalms 139:16. Your eyes saw my substance, being yet unformed. And in your book, they are all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. And scriptures like this would blow me away. They'd have me thinking for hours. I was thinking, wow, God, so like literally, you know each of us. You have a perfect knowledge of every single person on this planet. And Lord, what's even more exciting is that you have plans for us. You've given us gifts. You've given us talents. You actually have things that we're supposed to do. And I began to get really, really excited because these were the sounds of faith. You know, when I was at school, I heard a completely different sound. I got told that you just choose whatever you want to do in life and you make it happen. You just choose whatever you want to do and you make it happen. I was basically being told that we were the masters of our own destiny, that we could do whatever we wanted, whenever we wanted to, that it was up to us. But the sound that was coming from the Bible was completely different. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk into them. These were words of hope. These were words of destiny. And these were words which made me have a real desire to discover God's will for my life. Now, the interesting thing about the words we hear is that we actually have a choice whether we listen to them. We can choose to hear the words of God, the words that release life and destiny. But we can also choose basically just to walk away from the words of God. We can choose not to hear the words of God. But I have to say I'm so glad that the time when I decided to become a Christian and since then, I'm glad that I made that choice to listen to the word of God. Is anyone else glad here that they've listened to the words of God, to the voice of God? Amen, amen. Because I have to say, the words of God have totally changed the trajectory of my life. They have totally changed the direction that I was going in. And for many of you here, it's the same thing. Many of you here, the words that you've heard, the words that you've heard have healed you. God's words have brought healing. For some of you, God's words have brought comfort when you thought you couldn't go on any longer. For some of you here, God's words have brought the direction and the revelation that you so needed when you were confused and you were lost. The words we choose to hear, the words we choose to say, and the words we choose to believe 
have the power to change our lives and release us into our God-given destiny. Now, Proverbs 18.21 is a very important scripture. and We all need to remember this scripture because it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. The outcome of your life, basically, is what this scripture is saying, is determined by the words that you speak. Literally, you can choose to speak death over your life, or you can choose to speak life. It's up to you. But be careful then, what you hear, what you say, and what you believe. And let's say it together, that's the slogan for tonight. Be careful what you hear, what you say, and what you believe. Amen, amen. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to the book of Numbers, chapter 13. And we're going to be taking a look at the story of Caleb and Joshua in the Old Testament. Now, these were two men who knew how to contend for their destiny and for the destiny of the Israelite people by using the right words. Now, just a bit of background for those of you who may not know. The children of Israel had been in captivity, in slavery for over 400 years. They had been in slavery with the Pharaoh who had traumatized them and done all sorts of wicked things to them. You might have heard about the 10 plagues and the story of Moses. But basically, God raises up a leader. Moses, his name is. And he is called to come and set the people of Israel free, to set the children of Israel out of their captivity. And so that's exactly what he does. God parts the Red Sea and Moses and the children of Israel cross the Red Sea, and all their enemies are drowned in an instant. And they're carrying the silver and the gold and all the jewelry from Egypt, which is basically payback for the 400 years of slavery where they receive nothing for their service. And then they enter into the wilderness, and they're safe, and the enemies have drowned. And then they finally reach the desert of Paran, which is near Canaan. Now, Canaan is the promised land. And we hear about Joshua and Caleb at this point as we're in the desert of Paran. And Joshua and Caleb, among others, have finally got to where they need to get to. They're very close to the promised land. And so many men who are among them are sent out to go and spy out the land of Canaan. Can they take the land? Can they take the land and move into this land? And so let's read chapter 13, verse 1. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. Let's just be clear about what God says there. God is telling Moses to send men to Canaan. And he says, I am giving Canaan to the children of Israel. Did anyone else see that? Yeah, he says, I'm giving Canaan to the children of Israel. You know, people of God, when God says he's giving you something, you need to believe him. Yeah? When he gives you that dream, when he gives you that word, and he says, I'm giving this to you, he actually means it. And yes, it might not come easy, but it is yours. It is yours. Amen. 
Amen. And so the people, they're excited. The children of Israel, imagine what they've gone through, and they're finally near the promised land. And so they want to know all about the land. Are they going to be able to live on the land? Is it going to be safe? And so these 12 men, they go out on a mission to spy out the land and to come back with a full report. Now, the men come back, all 12 of them, including Joshua and Caleb. And 10 of them, well, actually all of them, they all unanimously agree that the land that they've seen in Canaan is flowing with milk and honey. It's an amazing land. There are like fruits that are the size of their heads. Like, it's an amazing land. It's beautiful, it's luscious, it's fruitful. But they also come back and they unanimously agree that there are enemies. There are enemies everywhere. There are enemies in the mountains. There are enemies in the cities. There are enemies in the towns. If you're going to Canaan, you're going to encounter enemies. And so let's jump then to verse 30. So they come back and they're telling everybody about what they see. Then Caleb quiets the people before Moses and he says, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. This is the man of faith. Let us go up at once and take possession of the land, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who've gone up with him, they say, um, we're not able to overcome or go up against the people because um, they're stronger than we are. They're really, really strong. And then the children of Israel, they give the children of Israel a bad report of the land that they've spied out. And they basically say, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in that land were like great men of great stature. And they were like giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. So, two very different reports. Caleb and Joshua believe that all they need to do is go in once, take the land. They're not messing around. They want the land, and they know that God is with them. But the other men say the complete opposite. Can you imagine these big grown men of war coming back and being so defeated by what they say that they start saying, we're so tiny. Oh, we're so tiny. We're so small. Oh. We're so weak. They're like giants. And we're like grasshoppers, tiny little grasshoppers. We don't stand a chance. <gasps> you can imagine them saying that. But that's exactly what they were saying. Now, just for a, mid a minute, a minute, let's imagine that we're the children of Israel here. And we've been waiting patiently to enter the promised land. Would you be on the side of Caleb and Joshua? Who would be on the side of Caleb and Joshua here? Be ready to take the land. Put your hand up, yeah. <laughs> Who would be on the side of the 10 spies who feel like they're tiny and small and they can't go in? Well, interestingly enough, pretty much all the children of Israel completely disregard what Caleb and Joshua say, and instead they choose to believe the bad report. And then mass fear and panic breaks out in the camp. Let's turn to chapter 14, verse 1. It says, so all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night, and all, let's take into consideration the word all there, it says, all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died 
in Egypt. Can you imagine? They have just left 400 years of slavery in Egypt and they have managed to make it in almost to the promised land. And because of a little bit of trouble, they're like, oh no, we need to go back. If only we had died in Egypt. Sometimes it's like us. You know, when we think of things that are coming our way, sometimes we can instantly revert back to the old life, revert back to the old way and think that maybe we should go back to being in sin and bondage with Satan. That's what they were saying here. Oh no, we just need to go back to that old life in Egypt, despite the fact that they'd become free. And then they say things like, oh, if only we had died in the wilderness. If only we just died there. Why has the Lord brought us out to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? And then they say to another, let's select a leader and let's go to Egypt. Let's go back. Let's go back to what we came out of. Now, word of wisdom. Some of you here, you're in a difficult place. You're in a difficult place. You're in a trying place right now. And you are facing many challenges in your life. But the word of the Lord tonight to you is that the Lord wants you to know that your words, what you say, and your reaction will determine your outcome. It's very important. It's very important what you say. You know, sometimes when you're in a hard place, you're in no man's land, you need to remember that it's actually God that brought you this far in the first place. And he didn't bring you this far to leave you. He didn't bring you this far so that you could go back to your old life of slavery. That's not what he brought you here for. And so after their outburst, Caleb and Joshua, they're furious, and so they jump back into the conversation, and they try and speak some sense into the people. So let's jump to verse 7. This is the last bit we're reading. Caleb basically says, Look, the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in it, then he will bring us into this land and he will give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the Lord, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And then all the congregation said, let's stone them with stones. Let's stone Joshua. Let's stone Caleb. We don't want to hear their reports. Let's get rid of them. Talk about shoot the messenger. Shoot the messenger who's bringing the good news. You know, I love this story because not only does it teach us to be careful whose report you hear and believe, it also teaches us to listen to the fact that what we said earlier is in Proverbs 18.21 is that death and life are in the power are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And that's exactly what happens. Unfortunately, those who have the negative reports and believe the reports of the 10 spies, they actually all end up dying in the wilderness. They believe the death report and they all end up dying in the wilderness. And it's only Joshua and Caleb who God allows to enter into the promised land, as well as those who are under the age of 20 when this happens. And so, as well as death, the negative words also cause delay. It ends up taking the children of Israel 40 years to complete a journey which was only supposed to take them 11 days. Can you imagine 40 years versus 11 days because of their unbelief and because of their disobedience? But for Caleb and Joshua, their words of destiny, the words that they speak that we are going to take the land, as always with God, they come to pass. And in their old age, 
Joshua leads the children of Israel across the River Jordan into the promised land of Canaan. And Caleb also receives an inheritance in the land. And so I ask you tonight, where are your words leading you? Are you speaking negative things over your life? Are you like the 10 spies? Do you say things like, oh, they're stronger than me. They're better than me. They're going to be able to do it much better than I can do it. I'm never going to get that job. I'm never going to get that promotion. It's not for people like me. I may as well just give up. Do you sound like that? Or do you release words of destiny like Caleb and Joshua? Because they said things like, we are well able. We are well able. And they said things like, let's take possession. And then they said things like, the Lord is with us. And then they said things like, do not fear them. Do not fear them. And they also said words like, we are going to make it. Let's say that together tonight. We are going to make it. We're going to make it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I think if we're honest, if we're absolutely, absolutely honest, we probably all have a bit of the children of Israel in us. I think if we're really honest, I, I point to COVID when I talk about this. Because COVID was an example of where we had never seen anything like that before in our lifetime or in our, in our, yeah, in our generations. And basically, the words that were coming out at the beginning of COVID, you know, even from people that I knew, people that were close to me, were very positive words. You know, we were hearing slogans like, this too shall pass. We're going to make it. And then as COVID began to take root and really start to impact our lives and we were on lockdown and we couldn't see our friends and our family and people's language started to change and it became more like oh I don't know is this ever going to change people got involved in buying and panic buying and hiding and isolating you know it might seem quite long ago but COVID wasn't that long and I'm glad that the narrative of COVID has changed but we have to remember that it's easy for us to say things like No, if I'm in a bad situation, I'm going to be like Joshua and I'm going to be like Caleb and I'm going to go in and I'm going to do what I need to do and I'm going to take everything by storm. But at the same time, we need to remember that when we say we're going to be like Caleb and Joshua, sometimes those times of pressure will come and how are we going to actually be like Caleb and Joshua? The way we're actually going to be like Caleb and Joshua is by releasing those words of destiny And that's why I say it's careful. We need to be careful in times of trouble and tribulation. What we hear, what we say, and what we believe. And that leads me to our first point for tonight, which is one, be careful what you hear. Be careful what you hear. You know, there's a little song, a little um, Christian song that they sing in, in the Sunday school, which is like, be careful little ears what you hear. Be careful little ears what you hear. And then it's, be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little... Yeah, anyway. Just thought I'd sing that song. Because it's a little song to remind us, actually, of what this, song, what, this, what this word is saying. What we hear, what we say, what we believe is important. And so we need to really think about what we're hearing. If you think about it, we are bombarded with lots of sounds, lots of noises, and lots of words in any one day. In fact, research says that 
um, we listen to around 20,000 to 30,000 words in a 24-hour period. Can you imagine? That's how many words are flying at you in a 24-hour period. 20,000 to 30,000. One day, that's how many words you hear. And because of that, sometimes words can just literally fly over our heads. They can just be like, you can't even hear sometimes. Someone might be talking to you, and the words are just going over your head. Now, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, I'm certainly not sure. I'm certainly sure, rather, that I'm not the only person in here who says things like this at home. Can you hear me? Did you hear what I said? Are you listening to me? Did you really hear me? <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the only person who says that to people around them. But it's because I've realized we say that because we know that hearing is active and people can choose not to hear what we say. They can choose to completely disregard what we say. And we need to choose to listen to what we want to hear. As Jesus says in the Gospels, he says, he who has ears, let him hear. Meaning that you can choose to do the opposite. You can choose to not hear if you want to. You know, if you think about it, when the spies came back, the children of Israel, they heard two different reports. They could have tuned into the good report and heard what Joshua and Caleb were saying, but instead they chose to tune into the bad report and hear what the other spies were saying. They tuned into the frequency of fear, and they had no faith in the God who basically had parted the Red Sea for them, the God who had sent them manna from heaven, the God who had been their pillar by day and their fire by night. It's interesting how they didn't tune into what God was saying. Romans 10:17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If faith actually comes by hearing, then we need to hear more of the word of God. We need to ingest God's word so actively that it changes what we talk like and how what we say. We need to choose the words that God releases of promise and destiny in the Bible and apply them to our lives. Sometimes we actually just need to sit down and really hear what God is saying to us. So I'm gonna give you all a challenge this week. The challenge is, Block out the other sounds around you. Find an hour somewhere and choose to actively hear God's word. I'm not saying listen to. I'm saying actively hear God's word. What does God's word say to you? Now, when you hear God's word, work out how you retain it the best. Now, some people, you retain the word of God by writing it down. When you write it down, then you can say it back because you've read it. Some people, they need to speak it out. Personally, for me, I need a three-point entry into my head when it comes to the Word of God sometimes. And so what I do is sometimes I get my audio Bible out, and then I get my physical Bible out, and I'm reading it and listening to the um, audio of the Bible that I'm reading. And then at the same time, I'm speaking it out. So I'm like reading it. Because for some reason, when I've done that, I can tell you what I've just read, and I can remember it much more clearer than if I just said, oh, I read it, or I just heard it somewhere. And so you will all have your own ways of being able to actively hear the word of God. Because we all need to build faith. We all need to be released into our destiny. But that will only be coming by us understanding and hearing God's words for our lives. 
And so our second point tonight is be careful what you say. We had be careful what you hear. Now be careful what you say. I was thinking about this, but hearing and saying are totally connected. Does anyone here speak another language? Put your hand up if you do. Oh, wow, loads of bilingual people here who speak another language. Well, I learned French when I was at school. I can't say I was the best at it, but I was learning French. <laughs> Let's say I was learning French, just in case someone tests me. Um, but when the French teacher would speak, I would have to listen and hear what she was saying over and over again. And then I would then be able to say it and I'd be able to practice it and practice saying what she was saying, but only because I could hear her. If I tried to just read a word out, I would be saying it with the wrong accent. I'd be saying it in the wrong way. And so I needed to continually hear so that I could say the right thing. And it's the same with babies. Ever noticed what babies do before the age of one? They just babble. They just like make sounds, like baby sounds. And sometimes they're trying to connect, sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're just babbling and babbling and babbling. And it takes a while for babies to babble and babble and babble, but basically they're listening to what they're hearing and they're formulating words through their baby babble. And eventually they become able to say the words like we would be able to hear them. They'd be able to say it in the right way. And so they basically develop their capacity to speak by hearing. And it's a bit like us. We need to hear the word of God enough times so that our baby babble, i.e. the few little bits and pieces that we know of the word, become powerful words of God. So that what we say, we can say with conviction and revelation. If you hear the word of God enough times, it will change your internal dialogue and what you choose to say. And it will also change how you pray. Let's look at Mark 11, because Jesus teaches his disciples the power of using their words. He says in Mark 11, verse 22, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Jesus here, he's saying, what you say is important. How you speak to that mountain of opposition in your life is important. When the giant is coming up against you and you feel like a tiny little grasshopper, you need to say the right things. You need to say words from the word of God that have power. And it says there, you need to believe. It says in that scripture, you need to not doubt. You need to speak and then things change because of what you speak. And it leads me to challenge number two this week, which is do an audit of your speech. What do you speak like? What is your speech like? If someone was you know, hiding somewhere in your house this week and they were listening to you speak, what things would come out of your mouth? Ooh, it's very quiet. Very quiet in here. What would be coming out of your mouth? What do you say? Do you speak negatively? Do you speak with accusation? Do you speak with slander? Do you speak with rage and jealousy? What is your speech like? Because what you say is important. 
What you say is important. And so we've got number one, actively hear God's word this week. Choose to hear it. And challenge two, check what you sound like. Check your speech. And then choose one thing that you know that you always speak about negatively. You'll know what it is. That one thing that you just always speak about negatively. And then choose to change what you say about that thing. Is that okay? Is that doable? Yes. And so we have to pay attention to what we hear. We have to be careful what we say. And that leads me on to the third and final point is, you need to be careful what you believe. You need to be very careful what you believe. You know, people believe all sorts of things. All sorts of things. I, I hear so many interesting stories about what people believe. In fact, somewhere I was reading that someone believed that they were a cat. Yeah, they, they said that they were a cat and they genuinely believed that they were a cat. And I'm not going to go into that. But the fact is, people believe all sorts of things anywhere. If you go outside and do a little survey, people believe all sorts of things. But believing in the wrong thing can cost you your life and your destiny. We see it so clearly with the children of Israel. Believing the wrong thing, believing the wrong report costs some of them their life. And so it's important what we believe. What you confess from your mouth is important. What you say becomes what you believe. And so if you're hearing the word of God, saying the word of God, that's what you're going to become. Or the opposite. Because our lives definitely, they move in the strongest, well, they move in the direction of our strongest thoughts and declarations. The things that you're saying about your life, that's how your life is moving. That's the direction that your life is moving in. And so it's so important what you say. As Jesus' earthly ministry was growing, he began to speak really challenging words. The words he spoke were very challenging. And many of the people who initially followed him began to turn away bit by bit. And it became really obvious who really believed him. Those who put their lives and their livelihoods on the altar to follow him, those were the ones that believed him. But even them, he said, he says to his 12, when everyone is wandering away, he says, do you also want to go away? Do you want to go away as well? Join all of them and just wander off? And then Simon Peter says to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Let's get that scripture up. To whom shall we go? Lord, to whom shall we go? That's John 6, 68. It says, you have the words of eternal life. Also, we've come to believe and know that you are the Christ the son of the living God. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Basically, Simon Peter here, he's saying, you know, you have the words of eternal life. Where else is there to go? There's nowhere else to go. You're the one that has the words of eternal life. You're the one that is telling me what needs to happen. You're the one who's telling me that after this life, you're telling me where I'm going to go. No one else is telling me that information. To whom shall I go? There's nowhere else to go, Lord. I need to follow you because I've come to believe from hearing your word and knowing you and seeing how you move, seeing how you change lives, seeing how you heal hearts. Even in this place right now, I've come to believe, Lord, that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. People of God, what words have you been believing? Have you been believing the words of Jesus? Believing the words that lead to eternal life? Or have you been believing the words of the accuser of the brethren? 
as it says in Revelation, believing the words of Satan himself who masquerades himself. Sometimes the enemy can speak through other people. Sometimes if words of, his accusation can come through other people. Or sometimes his words can come directly into your mind and he can speak lies to you. And you can start to believe them. You can be like, oh, you can't do that. You can hear his lies. You're never going to make it. You're a failure. You may as well just end it. Lies. I just want to tell you tonight that the devil is a liar. Let's say it together. The devil is a liar. Amen. <laughs> if we take that one thing away tonight, that's the main thing. The devil is a liar. Some of the words, some of the lies, he's accusing you. He's saying all sorts of things to you, things to stop you from entering into the destiny that God has for you. But today the Lord is saying, will you hear him? Will you hear him that he has plans and a future for you? You know, I choose to believe that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I choose to believe that I am the head and not the tail. I choose to believe that I am not forsaken nor forgotten. I choose to believe that I shall not die but live to declare the glory of the Lord. I choose to believe that though the righteous may fall seven times, they shall rise again. That's what I choose to believe. And the Lord is the one who is encouraging us to believe his word tonight. When I was praying and asking the Lord about this sermon, he showed me clearly two houses. And one house was a beautiful cottage. It was so beautiful. And it was just warm. There was like light in the windows. And it was, it was just like a beautiful house. You could see the heat and the love and the warmth emanating from the house. And all the lights were on, and there was a nice little path leading to the front door. And the Lord said, that's my house. And I said, Lord, yeah, that's your house. And then the Lord showed me another house, and it was like the enemy's house. It must have been the enemy's house, because it looked like it was from a horror movie. All the windows were smashed in. It was horrible. It was a horrible house. It was dark and dingy and neglected. There were holes in the roof. There was graffiti over all the walls. It was a horrible house. And the Lord said, that's not my house. And I said, yes, Lord, that's not your house. And then the Lord said, tell the people to come home. And I said, okay, Lord. Tell them to come home. Tell them to come to my house. You know, you might be here tonight and your words and beliefs have kept you in the enemy's house. You might have been speaking death over your life. You might have been speaking death over the life of other people without even realizing that it wasn't the right thing to be doing. Maybe you've become cynical because of your circumstances and the people that are around you. But tonight the Lord is saying, come home. Come home and relearn God's language of love. Come home and learn new words from the Lord that release life and destiny in you and those around you. Come home so you can hear the words of Jesus, the one who has the words of eternal life. Come home. You know, there's a curious interlocking of what people hear, say, and believe. What we hear, what we say, and we believe 
It all comes together to build faith. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Romans 10, 9. He says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, so confess with your mouth, and if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Jesus truly is the reason why we're all here tonight. Jesus is the reason why our lives have changed. Jesus is the one who has brought life. He's brought revelation. He's brought words of understanding that have changed our trajectory. Jesus is the savior. He's the son of God. He's the one who bled and died on the cross of Calvary so that you and I would be saved. Not only did he take care of our spiritual needs on the cross, forgiveness of sins, but he also took care of our physical needs, healing where it's needed.